So Kim, are uh, are you about ready to watch the Olympics? Let me ask you this. I was sure. Okay. You already started to ask me something, but ask me something different, I guess. Now change your mind. That's fine. And don't let me answer. Certainly don't let me respond. Go ahead. Well, no, of course not. You're no. (laughs) When I think of Olympics in the U S I think of two cities, Atlanta and Los Angeles back around the time that you were born, the Olympics, literally the time I was born. Yeah. It was that year. 1984. You are so young. I mean, you're so old. You were born in the eighties. Ah, we got him. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Um, So, so I think of the Olympics oftentimes in my little head, I think of, because we were out in California during that time too. So I remember that uh, I was there for, for right after you were born. I don't, so I, was, I was really busy. I mean, you were, you were pretty busy entertaining people <laughs> and throwing parties. Um, yeah. So because you had the Olympics in your city one time, do you, are you just, you just think of the Olympics now, right? <laughs> yeah. Constantly. All we do, we just walk around and like. Good morning, good Olympic. Good morning, right, right. good Olympic. Um, yeah, um, a, li- a little known fact in television production is that every single morning, um, the crew will gather on set to have a quick safety meeting, kind of go over the day, and then every everyone, everyone goes around and says their favorite Olympic moment. No repeats. <laughs> That's it. Beautiful. <laughs> Not a lot of people know uh, that about television production, but it's interesting. That's great. That's, I love that <laughs> yeah. behind-the-scenes look. That's great. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. You also were an athlete. You played water polo for a very long time. I'm a multi-sport athlete, first of all. First of all, I could have been, oh, my, everybody that I know that's listening to this right now is so annoyed already. (laughs) You know exactly where this is going, which is, I could have been an Olympic speed skater. I just didn't tell my mom that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> so she never, you know, took me to get training. But I would be out there in my rollerblades. I would be blading and just going as fast as I could because I wanted to be an Olympic speed skater so badly. Then I did play water polo in high school. I was exceptional. Don't ask anybody else. You heard, heard it from me. You don't need to hear it from anybody else. I was exceptional. <laughs> anybody who says otherwise is jealous. Um, okay. and now I, right before I broke my toe, literally 12 hours before I broke my toe, it signed up for a learn to play hockey league, like adult hockey league. And I do, I am going to learn how to play hockey mom, okay. which I'm very excited about Jim. And so nobody wants to do, play hockey because my body is wrecked from water polo. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and also from uh, your time at Hollywood video. So, yeah. you, <laughs> so once you learn yeah. how to skate on ice, you're going to become an Olympic watch out world (laughs) yeah so obviously you enjoy sports i'm I'm a big hockey fan are you getting ready for the winter olympics are you excited about this well they didn't um invite me (laughs) as a delegate of america i'm not allowed to be there (laughs) no no um this one's very tricky the last one last olympics I felt differently. This one's really tricky because I don't know that we should be gathering in large crowds still, especially, you know, um, people from all over the world. I mean, frankly, looking at our numbers, I don't know why anyone would be like, bring the Americans. <laughs> like our numbers are bad. Right. Our vaccination numbers are bad. All that kind of stuff. I realize athletes for the most part probably have to be vaccinated to go, but still it's um, actually I don't know if that's true. I, I guess, true, but yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't think there's, there's a lot of athletes that aren't it. getting vaccinated just because they don't want to. And <laughs> Americans feel like freedom is better than compassion. Anyway. Yeah, of course. America, maybe. Um, so I'm not so much, which is a bummer because, you know, the athletes, it should be very proud of the work that they've done to get them to where they are. And um, we'll talk, we can talk more about this interview later but that was that's something that i think we should be doing a better job of and it's you know Mm -hmm. regardless of whether you feel how you feel about the olympics anyway shorter answer is i don't know i'm like very busy these days sure you are well and that's and that's the the genesis of all of this why this episode exists so we'll get into all of that um after our amazing open that you've put together shall we roll that awesome open ready So the whole idea of this episode came up when we were talking about Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, with all the controversy going on, should we even have the Olympics? And then, yeah. and, and even like thinking about beyond just this year, well, there's, there's controversy over um, human rights in China. Um, the, 
the pollution. Uh, you know, I remember a, f- a couple Olympics ago when Greece hosted the Olympics in, in Athens, which you would think would be like amazing. Isn't that where like the Olympics started, right? The Greeks or whatever. But they went bankrupt. The whole country went bankrupt just to host the Olympics. Yeah, it's insane. You know, and, and I've seen stories about like the Olympic Village after everybody leaves a year later, two years, later, four years later. It's just desolate. It's such a waste. And so I thought, so you and I talked and I asked you, should we even be doing the Olympics anymore? Or does it, are, have we outgrown this? Yeah. And I said, no, we shouldn't have the Olympics anymore. But I, we have an interview today. And in listening to the interview was Jeff definitely like, oh, it's, you know, as things are, I said no with no nuance to it. But also just like, it was just easy to say like, nah. And, uh, you know, to not give it. But this gave a lot of nuance and a lot of, um, for me, I think more conflict in my head about whether or not we should yeah. keep the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. I think so instead of us just like, deciding, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, I feel like now uh, I fall more on the side of like, let's keep and make changes. You know, instead of us just out from the outside looking in saying, eh, let's just stop it. You know, let's just make decisions. Let's just assume <laughs> some things we decided. Let's ask somebody who's been there. Let's ask. Yeah. Him, let's ask an expert. <laughs> Weird how that works. Um, yeah. I was fortunate to be introduced to our guest today through uh, an event that I attended f- at air quotes a company. It was digital um, at a company that I work alongside and really admire and have for a long time. Um, so uh, our guest today is an Olympic gold medalist in shot put. So she is a summer Olympian. Um, she's on part of Team USA. Her name is Michelle Carter, and she is amazing. She is such a phenomenal speaker, brings so much energy and this really cool perspective. I just, I so enjoyed the presentation that she gave. I thought, huh, we should ask her if she'd be willing to talk to us. And she was, I don't know why she said yes, but she did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always so thrilled when somebody says yes to our, to our, our shows. So yeah. So Michelle Carter is a, uh, a gold medal Olympian. She, she won a gold medal Olympist, Olympian, Olympist, whatever. She won a gold medal. Olympian. She earned a gold medal. Olympian. Wait, what? In the Olympics. <laughs> Such a jerk. I don't know. Um, Olympian. For, for shot put, the first American to do so, which is just incredible. Like all these years that we've had shot put in Olympics, she's the first American to win a gold medal. She is one of three people, one of three Americans to have won any medal in shot put. And you'll hear a little bit more about that in our, in our, in our conversation, which I think is just incredible. Um, she also founded uh, You Throw Girl which is a sports confidence camp for, uh, for young women, which I think is just really cool. Um, female athletes from grades six to 12, which is cool. Uh, she also does makeup. She's an entrepreneur. So she's, she has some, some products that she sells and all this stuff. Like she's just, she's incredible. Now, unfortunately you had something come up and weren't able to make it, which was a, which was a bummer. Very last minute. Yeah. I was Sucks, super I'm bummed. Sorry. I was very, very excited and, ended up just having a really, really late night at work and set my alarm still to wake up and do it and um, couldn't couldn't make it happen. You can't function on one hour of sleep. I understand. No. <laughs> and to, to what move- you're hearing right now is uh, <laughs> a Sunday after starting with no sleep on Thursday. <laughs> so yeah. it's not things are not going well. <laughs> Yeah, you'll be fine. Uh, I will be fine. Everything, everything is fine. It was not an emergency. It just was, we just had a late night at work and I wasn't able to make it happen. But it may, but it's difficult because, because we both are so busy. We both have full-time mm-hmm. jobs. You know, Michelle is someone who does uh, speaking engagements with the time crunch of the Olympics starting. We didn't really find like, we probably didn't, didn't want to move this interview. So I went ahead and, and, and chatted with yeah. Michelle. Um, so thank you, you know, as my partner for encouraging that. Um, when you went back and listened to it, what was, you know, your takeaway? What should people be looking out for? I thought it was really interesting to hear her talk about the way that America does not support its athletes while other countries really, really do, especially because we are such a professional sports. We're pretty focused on those here in this country, but I think it's a, you know, it's a money thing, right? So like we're focused on the Rams because the Rams bring in a lot of money to Los Angeles. Right. So I thought that was very interesting. I, I really appreciated how open she was talking about race in this country. She's a black woman talking about 
um, what that means to her, um, what that means as, to her as an athlete, as an American, all of that. Um, mm-hmm. I really appreciated her um, openness, her willingness to uh, to share. All I felt very fortunate to be able to be part of that conversation it, for her to, like you said, be open. Before we even started recording, I asked her, I'm like, okay, two subjects I, I, I do want to cover if that's okay. And so I presented it beforehand <laughs> to ask permission to be able to ask it. Cause like, you know, you just, I don't know, respect yeah. and compassion and empathy, right? Yeah. So, yeah. The so there you go. You know, <laughs> so there you go. So I had the opportunity to uh, speak with Michelle and she was very open about the Olympics and the controversies around it and what she thought of it. And so um, listeners, I hope you enjoy that. And uh, we'll be back after the conversation, the interview to wrap it all up. Kim, does that sound like a plan for you? Yeah. If I, uh, we'll see if I'll be there. Last minute, might decide to sleep in. So Michelle, welcome to My America. Thank you so much for taking time out of your, uh, what I would imagine is a very busy schedule uh, to, to chat with us and, and bring this to our audience. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. So Michelle, I don't know if you realize this, but when we, the reason, one of the reasons why I, I invited you on with my co-host and I um, is because you spoke at an event that I attended for a company called HubSpot and you brought, yes. you brought such amazing energy and such great advice. And I thought, if I'm going to talk about the Olympics with somebody, I got to have Michelle. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> um, thank you for inviting me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So before we get into kind of the heavy, heavy part of this, um, if you would share, you know, Kim and I introduced you, but if you would share a little bit about your journey as a gold medal Olympian, um, tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about your backstory, if you would. Yes. So a little bit about my backstory is that I am a three-time Olympian and I am Olympic gold medalist um, for the 2016 Olympic Games in women's shot put. So I throw this medal ball, try to throw it as far as I can. Right. Um, And so my first Olympics, I was 15th. My second Olympics, I was originally sixth place. But um, with doping and all those things taking place, I'm now currently fourth. And then now in the 2016 Olympic Games, I won. So I had this journey where I do come from a, a, a background of a great athlete, my dad, um, three-time Super Bowler and Olympic silver medalist in the 1984 Olympic Games and then shot put. So I have this great background, but I didn't start off like winning everything from jump. I had to really learn myself. I had to kind of learn the game of, of sports and figure out my training. Like I had a journey to get to the top. And so um, I'm very appreciative of my journey. Of course, everybody will want to win on their first time, but I appreciate the things that I've learned and the lessons that I've gained and the wisdom I gained along the way. And those lessons, quite uh, quite a few of those lessons are like on your website. So shotdiva.com for those listeners. Yes. Um, you give those lessons as part of your motivational speaking engagements. So very cool that you share those. Um, tell me, so as an Olympian, and as, as this episode is getting ready to air, the Winter Olympics are starting. Do you mm-hmm. find yourself watching the Olympics every two years or four years for summer? Like, do you keep coming back to them and watch them too? I do. Because even yeah. though they are Winter Olympics, it's still the Olympics. So I understand the hard work, the dedication, the discipline it takes to make it to that level. Now, what I don't get is how cold it is and how they can still keep warm <laughs> <laughs> right, doing right. those sports. But I find it very interesting because, number one, um, I live in the South. So winter sports is not something that we see on a regular because we don't t- typically have snow in Texas on a regular. So yeah. I, it's always kind of fascinating to see what uh, the other sports are and watch them do what they do. Because I'm like, oh, I could never because um, I'm just not in that world. Yeah. See, and and I'm a, I'm a Michigander. And so we have snow around here. Yeah. But even then, man, I, I don't want to be competing in those be out there for biathlon or downhill skiing or slalom or whatever. It's like, that's cold, man. (laughs) Anyway, um, I used to ski a little bit when I was younger and so I I did enjoy it, but still now the older I get, the less cold I want to be. So I might be joining you in Texas soon. Anyway. uh, So, so right now, one of the discussions that we're having in the world with the Olympics, the 2022 winter Olympics are, are in Beijing, China. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen a lot of news coverage and a lot of social media coverage about various concerns and controversies um, about things like environmental impact, uh, censorship in China, 
Mm -hmm. um, the COVID-19 pandemic, we're still involved in human rights issues in China. So there's a lot of, you know, there's talk about boycotting the Olympics. There's talk about the U.S. not sending delegates, um, you know, political de delegates over and that kind of thing. Um, tell me a little bit about your perspective on that, if you would. What When there's controversy around the Olympics, what does that do to the games? Well, number one, there's always controversy around every Olympic Games. It's just kind of part of um, the storyline, I hate to say it, and try, I'm not trying to minimize the issues that are going on, but every Olympic Games is going to be a story about why we shouldn't go or why this shouldn't happen at the Olympics or what's going on in this country and why we shouldn't have it. Uh, my very first Olympic Games was in Beijing in 2008, and the same issues that they're talking about now are the same things we talked about in 2008 and why we shouldn't go and why this isn't this and why isn't that. Um, and some of those things I do agree with, but it's like, I live in America and China is China. Um, now the culture is so different. And I think that we can't, we have to be mindful about pushing what we think um, how things should go versus how people actually live in other parts of the world. Because being that I've traveled all over the world to so many different countries and I've seen so many different cultures, the way we live in America is rare with the abundance of everything. Okay. Every country isn't like that. And so um, I, I kind of learned to appreciate some of the cultures for what they are. Um, versus trying to think like, well, in America, this is what we do. And a lot of countries do kind of say that Americans come off that way. We think that the way that we live is the way that everyone should live. <laughs> now, some things, yes, equal rights and some of the things that we are fighting for and we think that everyone should have, everyone should have. But at the same time, everybody's culture is different. Um, so, um, but with that, but all the other things, it's, it's hard to say because the Olympics is... Um, one of the lifetime opportunity. And one of the main issues I probably have with the Olympics more so is that we keep building these facilities in these countries that cannot sustain them. Mm. And so uh, I know you go back to 2000, I think it's 2004 when they had the Olympics in Greece, like the country went bankrupt because it couldn't maintain. And if you go to all the countries in the cities that has, has hosted the Olympic Games, very few of them have been able to maintain those stadiums, the facilities, and they kind of rot and the, the country's wasting money on it. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of different things that we can do different with the Olympic Games that I, I hope that people are able to look into to make them enjoy um, the experience better, um, not just for the host country and for the athletes, but just for the world to enjoy in general, because that's what it is. It's about bringing the world together for this moment and celebrate those who do great. Um, but it's just so much that goes into it. It's, 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 it's a little overwhelming sometimes. So going up into competition, I try to kind of not get involved um, in that too much because I still have to go do my job for my country. Yeah. Um, it, and I've got a question on doing your job for your country, um, but I want to come back to that. Okay. When when you said so, I had written down a question of the post Olympic impact. Thinking exactly what you just talked about, we build these great big Olympic, um, you know, the the athlete village, the big uh, things for like the downhill skiing or other venues. We have giant, you know, venues for these folks, and mm -hmm. then we leave, and then and then what? Have you seen examples of those efforts having a positive impact on those countries and those cities? Like where, where are we getting it right? <laughs> so, I guess is to my be question. honest, I have it. Uh, I yeah. think one country that did it majority right was London. Um, in 2012, they built a lot of temporary stadiums and structures that they were there for what they needed it for. And then they was able to take down either part of the building or the whole building in general. So in the, in London, the Olympic stadium is where track and field is held. Um, the extra risers and stay and bleachers were temporary. So then they brought it back down to size of a stadium that they can actually use on the regular. Gotcha. So they actually had a better planned out idea. Um, so that was probably one of the countries I've seen that's done it the best. But even in the U.S., where we've had it in the past, the stadiums aren't, aren't, aren't getting used or they no mm. longer exist. So finding more sustainable ways and more friendly ways to do that would be one of your desires then, huh? It would be. Yeah. 
Um, what are, so, so when I hear you talk about the Olympics and in your experience, I hear a lot of passion, I hear a lot of positivity. What are some of the positive impacts that the Olympic games give the world? I think people's stories are so powerful. And during the Olympics, you get to hear stories from all these walks of life from all over the world. Mm-hmm. And what made me appreciate the Olympics even more and the stories that come along with the Olympic Games was during commentating when I was able to commentate for the 2020 or 2021 Games um, this past year and learning some of the backstories of some of these athletes. And when they're going out there, they're not just competing for this medal. Depending on where you're from, you're you're you're. You're competing for your country's livelihood. You're competing for your village. You're trying to provide food for a whole town or a whole city. Um, You'd just be surprised at the stories and the weight that these athletes are walking into these Olympic Games to make their dreams come true, not just for themselves or not just for their families, but this thing could actually change like the trajectory of their countries, depending on where they're from. So I think that... Mm. Um, bringing the world together and we're able to really hear these stories in which I think that um, storytelling is getting better at the Olympic games and something that we can consistently work on, but these stories and hearing and being motivated or encouraged or knowing that you're not alone, that someone else is actually dealing with what you're dealing with. And this is how they were able to overcome. Like people, that, the stories save lives. If we will be honest, stories save lives. And so I think that's one of the things that I love about the Olympic Games is that in this one moment, everybody in the world is tuned in, um, can hear these stories, and you just never know whose life is going to be touched by who's competing that day and what story they hear. I, I love that, Michelle. I, I'm so, it's so cool to hear you say that. I've long felt like stories change the world kind of one of my personal mottos, but stories save lives. I love that. Um, it's so, it is so important. It's so incredibly powerful. You know, I haven't had the opportunity to travel the world, but through the Olympics, I get to see the world mm-hmm. um, in, in a different way. And that's, and that's true. It's so amazing. It gives me more appreciation for cultures that are outside of, of what I see in my little tiny worldview. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, so let's go back to what you said earlier about, um, uh, doing your job for your country. I, I think of it almost as like performing for your country, so to speak as well. I, so I love our, I love America. I love our country. It's yeah. a beautiful country. We have our flaws. What is it like for you to do your job for your country where you haven't been seen as a full, fully human. And even today we still are battling racism and discrimination and oppression and mass incarceration and other things mm-hmm. that we talk about on my America. What is that like for you do you battle that is that like i don't know what is that like for you well being a black woman in america it's part of my reality knowing that i can walk across a path of someone who doesn't look like me that look like you and i am seen as less than my life isn't as valuable and i've been in situations where i have gone to events and i'm a keynote speaker or the special guest of the event, and I may be the only Black person in the whole room. No one is speaking to me. No one is saying hi to me. Nobody's saying a word to me. But the minute they see me on stage, their whole view about me changes. Now I'm valuable because now you found out who I am. Now you found out what I've accomplished and what I've done. And so being black in America, I know that everything that I do is always going to be discounted or dis or devalued, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um, and especially being in the position that I am now, being the first American to win a gold medal for this event for my country, people still don't understand that I'm the first American because I'm still not considered fully American because I'm African American. But to me, I am I'm a, I'm a black American. Because I traced my family back as far as we could. And I am a product of a slave from Pineapple, Alabama. And my great-great-great-grandfather was the slave owner's brother's son. Like, I know where I came from. And we don't know what happened from then. But I am a Black American. But because of the history and the racism and um, people wanting to have power just because somebody's skin color is different, discounts me devalues me and I have to fight that at every turn and um I just know that in this part of my life that 
that's just the burden that I have to carry. And that there's not a burden that I want to carry, but it's a burden I have to carry. And I have to do my part. So then the next person that comes behind me have it a little bit easier. Having conversations with other people that don't look like me to have an understanding that I'm still human like you're human and that I should be treated the same and I shouldn't be looked at any different because of my skin color. And if I could change people's minds and have them recognize some of the biases or or um, that they have. And, you know, by doing that, I could make the world a little bit better little by little. And that's all I can do. Because right now in my sport, and I've actually never said this out loud, the three medals America has in women's shot put are all three by Black women in America. The first one was Erling Brown in 1960. She won the bronze. I was second with gold in 2016. Raven Saunders won silver in in the 2020 Olympic Games. And we are all Black. Because we are America too. Like we're no different. Yeah. We are here. Yeah. And so that's, it's, it's hard, but I understand where we're coming from and where we're trying to go. And the fact that I have survived and my family has survived this long for me to be who I am today, that says a lot. And we still have work to go, but we're, you know, you got to take it little by little. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know if this even just sounds cheesy or trite or pandering or what but as as a cisgender white male when you talk talk about how all three medals came from black women that just fills me with so much pride and and just like awe you know um my kind is what has never had to fight for anything in this country i've always had a vote i've always been able to own land i've always been able to do whatever i want yeah you were, are some of the last of the people of this country, of Americans, who have had yes. anything given, air quotes, to you, which is terrible. Um, so it's just, it's just, it's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. What does it look like around the, around the rest of the world for you? When you have those fights here in, in your own country, your own homeland, what is that like when you travel around the world? Do you see similar racism and battles do you walk more freely in other countries how does that look well it depends on the country <laughs> number one okay uh, i don't feel the same uh i don't feel as safe if i was in germany or if i was in russia or you know like places like that it's, it's a little different but there are some places in america like um in italy there it was no big deal france no big deal Um, They look at you a little different. China, actually in China, because my skin is so dark and they don't see a lot of black people in China. They're looking at me like I'm like a mystic goddess they've never seen before. They just want to touch me and just look at me. They're like, oh, wow, look at your hair. Look at your skin. Like, this is so different. So it's it's crazy that I could go to other countries and be more appreciated um, and and valued than in my own country, that people find my country valuable um but then my country doesn't find me valuable wow and i remember uh actually when you thought about when you said like being a white male i remember i did a that um i was in a diversity meeting that we had with usa track and field and we were just talking about the different things and kind of giving stories and talking about it and um i said that i remember with a group of friends we had a conversation like what would it feel like to walk around america as a white man to not be looked at, not be judged, not to be fearful of your life. Or, you know, like just knowing that the answer is always yes when I walk into a room, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, and it's yeah. like when you see some, the attitudes of some white man, they come into the room like, oh no, you're going to say yes to me. I'm going yeah. to get what I want. I'm like, what does that feel like to feel that free and that confident at, at all times, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but, you know, um, I think that, over time and as um the world is i don't say the world more so i'll say in america for sure where races are merging the 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 growing population is mixed race like that that mixed race is 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 growing and so when people are starting to have more encounters and more personal up close encounters with people of another color another another race um 
it blurs the lines and you're able to actually realize that they're no different than you. And I think that is growing in America. And um, and that would kind of helps the process and it makes the change beautiful because people are starting to have these aha moments where you're seeing and having these personal up close encounters with people who are different. And then on top of that, social media and, and media, uh, when you're seeing videos, when we were telling stories that these are really happening, you weren't believing us. And then now you can see it for yourself. And so that kind of helps bring and shed light. Like, okay, so life is different when you look different. Yeah. And it's amazing. Again, going back to stories, how those stories make that difference, right? They yeah. humanize each other. Um, yeah. It's incredible. You know, um, when, when I, so as the Olympics are coming up here and, and people get so prideful and proud of their country, not prideful, but so proud of their country, feel that surge of patriotism. What does that feel like for you then? I mean, it's all of this that we're talking about, right? Nothing's mm. perfect. It's it, there's, there's nuances to all of this. What does patriotism look like to you as a black American? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, for me, it's more about the pride that my family survived because that's what I am. I, I, I am a survivor because slaves weren't in the great positions. Um, they didn't have the best of the best. They had the worst of the worst. And at times they had nothing. Like conditions were set up for the weak to die and only for the strong survive because the stronger and bigger you are, the more helpful you are to me. And so that patriotism really isn't about America itself, but it's about the fact that whatever happened to my family in America, my family survived and that's why I'm here today. Thank you for sharing that. And then I just want to take a moment too to pause and thank you. Acknowledge the energy it takes for you to share this. The, you know, I don't know how often you share these stories with white listeners, white people. I know that I'm asking a lot of you. So thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, no problem. When we talk about the Olympics, you know, and we talked about some of the, the pros and cons to it, the ups and downs, again, a lot of nuance there mm-hmm. is, it, and there's a lot of positive impact, but we can get that positive impact from sharing stories in other ways. The Olympics themselves, the Olympic committee with some of its, you know, problems, mm-hmm. the environmental impact, some of the other political impact, that kind of stuff. Is there a world in which it's better to not have the Olympics, but have these stories in some other way? Or is the Olympics something specific that we need to keep doing? Like, I guess my, my simple question is, do we need the Olympics anymore? Simple question, right? (laughs) Okay. So this is a hard question because in America, being Olympic, uh, being Olympian is not as valued as in every other country in the world. Being Olympians in America don't get paid. Uh, A lot of them have to work to even survive to do their jobs, but then yet they're country heroes, right? Um, But you go to, you go to other countries and their Olympians get houses, money, land from their country for representing their country well, and they're taken care of. It's not every country, but a lot of other European countries and other countries are like that. They celebrate those who have done well for their country and, 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 pretty much pay them for it um so for a lot of other countries yes the olympics really matters for them because it's a proud moment for them uh in america it looked at it's looked at a little different now i do think the olympics um should happen and are important but i think that how it's viewed can be changed um it can be valued a little bit more cuz i don't think people understand what it takes to have the 1% of the 1% in the world in one location mm-hmm. and that's and that's rare something you don't get to see and it's kind of one time in the moment where you get to have all these people from all over the world in one place like we're competing against each other and there's no way that we can communicate cuz everybody can't speak english we can't speak other people's language but the language that we all speak is our sport. And so we have this commonality that we can connect to um, and we're from different parts of the world. And I think that especially with America, really the history of America is a country of immigrants, right? Like, so you get to identify with 
um, maybe some backgrounds that you have or, or some countries you didn't even know existed. You're like, it's, it's, it's like so much that goes into the Olympic Games. I don't think they should go away. I do think how we go about them should change. Um, I think maybe not having everything in one location um, and maybe the timeline of the Olympics can change so that maybe we don't have to have as big of facilities at one time for all the athletes. Like there's a lot of different ways they can go about it to make it a little bit different, um, but, and better for the environment and for the economy and wherever it's at. But I do think the Olympics is very necessary for multiple reasons because um, it's like the one moment in time where the world really collides. Mm-hmm. I love all of that. I also had this little moment of, of, of like just incredulous thought that America is the best of the best in the athletes. We take so many gold medals. We do all these things and yet y'all do it for free. Like uh, what well, can we do better <laughs> anyway? I just, can we do better? Um, we can do better. Uh, but the, 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 um, the industry has changed, especially with, um, companies wanting to do marketing differently and with social media uh other companies can start paying athletes to wear their brands at track meets and at events and to sponsor them through their journeys so um i just wanted to say that so there are any companies out there and you're looking for athletes to sponsor look at some of your local olympians and see how if you only had a budget of maybe a thousand dollars but that thousand dollars can mean a lot for an athlete so it doesn't take these big companies anymore to help these athletes dreams come true. And then also in exchange, you're getting marketing around the Olympics where these spotlights are on these athletes. So I think if we start imagining how we can um, all be a part of the ecosystem of the Olympics and um, it doesn't matter how small amount that amount matters to someone who's on that journey. And then in return, you do get some club back. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do a little bit better that can benefit everyone. For sure. A lot of positivity. I also love what I, what I, some of, one of the things that I heard you say, I'm going to pull out of this out of there and tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth or if I'm, if I'm right on this one, okay. having pride in like your country or the Olympics doesn't mean that everything's perfect. There are things we can make better. Having pride means wanting to make those things better mm-hmm. and continue to evolve. Is that fair? It's fair. Um, well, number one, team USA is the best team to be on. <laughs> and <laughs> I say that and I'm being biased because I am on Team USA and I've seen the things that we get to be on the team, like all the gear that we get, the resources that we have. And I remember in Rio, they were behind on getting the building ready for us to live in. And so what Team USA did, they paid contractors to go down there and finish our building for us so that our plumbing was done correctly. Um, The buildings were ready for us to live in. Other countries didn't have that. Some of the other buildings didn't have running water. Um, their, their sewer system was backed up and it took them a long time to get it fixed. But we had contractors on site. We have extra snacks. We have all these extra things of being part of Team USA. So it, I'm still on the best team in the world <laughs> with <laughs> right all on. of our issues and all, but I wouldn't want to be on any other team. There you go. And of course, as soon as you see snacks, all the athletes out there listening say, ooh, orange slices, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> we all think of that. Um, awesome. Michelle, any, any last kind of thoughts you want to share with the listeners, to, you know, encouragement about the Olympics, any last kind of stories? Uh, I would say definitely if you have a moment, just watch the Olympics, understand that years of hard work and dedication goes into this one moment for these athletes. And the more eyes on these athletes, the better. The more views the Olympics get, um, um, the better, because these are it's a one moment where the world is looking at these athletes. And this one moment can change their life by the right person watching them at the right time. Mm-hmm. So if you flipping channels, just give them a couple of look, a couple of views and just um, follow them on Instagram. I like follow their journey. You'll be surprised. Um, of the things that you can learn or even just the motivation that you and encouragement that you can get by watching um, these athletes pour their hearts out in this one moment in time. Wonderfully said my new friend, uh, <laughs> Rio Olympic games, gold medalist, certified professional makeup artist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, amazing human, Michelle Carter, Michelle, thank you so much for taking time to be on my America today. 
Well, thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's, I thought the Olympics were something different. <laughs> I didn't know that there was so much sport involved with the Olympics. I feel silly. I guess it's good that I wasn't there. I would have really embarrassed us. So, so you were thinking the Olympics were like the office, the office Olympics, right? Yeah. Like Flonkerton um, yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, Flonkerton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard a great um, joke the other day or part of a comedian set the other day when they were talking, he was talking about Olympic athletes that come to speak like this, like, like how you were introduced to her. And she was, he was like, um, they'll have somebody come and it's wild. It'll be somebody, or it won't be an Olympic athlete. It'll be somebody who like climbed Mount Everest. And then he'll say, tell me your challenge. <laughs> Remember my challenge was climbing Mount Everest. What's your own personal Mount Everest? Right. Come to me and tell me your challenges. And again, I climbed Mount Everest and then little people being like, I don't know how to do this small, easy thing. And they'll be like, okay, well, when I climbed Mount Everest, something that helped me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the motivational speakers, those are always fun, aren't they? Um, yeah. But then there are those like Michelle who brings such a, like when she presented um, through HubSpot, brought such a humanity to it and, and was wasn't like that. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's really cool. And there's, and you know, she's so down to earth. I mean, I had such a, a, a great conversation. I felt, I feel so privileged to be able to spend, you know, uh, almost an hour with her. So. Yeah, it was great. It was really interesting. Yeah. I, I loved the idea. So I, the, the question that I enjoyed asking was like, how does America compare to the rest of the world? Right. You and I've talked about patriotism and how our patriotism doesn't mean that we see our country as perfect and we can do no wrong and we don't want to improve anything. Like, no, we love this country and want to improve things for everyone who lives here. That's patriotism. And I loved how, when I asked her about, about that, her answer about pride and patriotism means a pride of her family. Yeah. Like that was amazing. And then also like, look, America's not perfect. How, how do we compare to the rest of the world? And we're not the worst. (laughs) I should, we're number one. We're number one. Well, you know, we're, we're not number one either. But... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're not. We're not. Everyone no, knows I that how I, you know, yeah, I know. there is a room for improvement all around. Oh, yeah. But it was interesting just to like, I, we get so, we get so self-centered as humans, I think. And I don't think it's just, just an American thing. I, th- I would imagine that a lot of like any, any home that you're in, in the world or a village or a town or whatever, you focus on what your world, right? What's around you. I think it's an easy thing for us all to do. We often break out of that, but yeah, like, so we think as Americans, like this is our country, but then as you go around the world, like other, other countries had different problems. Other cultures have different things, the way they see things. It's just so interesting. And so I haven't been a world traveler. And so for her to share that perspective is a, is a good affirmation and confirmation that there's a big, big old world out there. And the more we can explore that, the better whether it's through you yeah. know podcasts or books or actual experiences, but to actually like take in the world. And so for those Olympic athletes who can do that, I, I have a lot of respect to them. Yeah. It made me want to get out there and train harder. Let's do it. Let's go train harder. You go into speed skating and um, I'll do snowboarding. Okay. I'm actually not into speed skating anymore. Remember now I'm a ice hockey Goalie. I mean, yeah, but I still want to see you take on that um, icy oval with your arm behind your back and your other arm swinging really hard like they do. Like, I just want to see that. So I, I found it very interesting, um, Michelle's perspective on on why the Olympics are important, how much they mean to athletes around the world, how much story. I about fell out of my chair when she said stories save lives. That I was like, I, I'm done. I'm done. Thank you so That's much. A, yeah. You know, yeah. so that it's very interesting. So if we can continue the Olympics, continue to make this a worldwide thing that we all take part in, um, but also find places to improve more sustainability, uh, use the Olympics to for platforms of things like justice and human rights. Um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. One thing that I've noticed that we're doing this season and um, just a quick you're welcome to everybody is we're making a lot of decisions about whether or not things are allowed to stay or go and we keep them often. So good for ever. Good for the world. 
And you're welcome. So you see, <laughs> Gen X and millennials aren't canceling everything. We're good. Yeah. Progressives aren't canceling anything. We're keeping things, Nobody's... but we're making improvements. But you know Nobody's who is canceling? Anything. If you're having your stupid book tour and calling it the cancel tour, that's cancel culture. That's not canceling anything. That's making more money on canceling things. Some people are canceling things. Good. They're banning <laughs> books because they teach things like the Holocaust. Yep. That's cancel culture, my friends. Not us. Anyway. And the audacity that these people have to, you know what I'm doing right? I didn't even realize this. I'm holding my little water polo toy. I'm, water I'm, polo. I'm back in, baby. My mom's going to be furious when she hears this. My body <laughs> is ruined from the sport. I don't care. I love it so much. It is beautiful. Anyway, um, the audacity that these people have to, on Holocaust Remembrance Day, talk about how they're taking books that teach about the Holocaust, stories save, story save lives, they're taking that out of the school, and then out the other side of their stupid mouths, they're talking about how it's the First Amendment right for Spotify to keep Joe Rogan. Now, that is something interesting, and we can talk about that in another episode. That's not what this is about, but just the, the – and they don't care. Yep. They don't care that they're having the same conversation. And any platform that would rather have Joe Rogan than Joni Mitchell, <laughs> no. <laughs> Yuck. Or even just this morning, Brene Brown announced yeah She's, right dave grohl i mean come on man like yeah come on meanwhile the joe rogan's and ted nugent's of the world are like yeah we're cool no the no go away no you no. nobody wants to hang out with you no. that's the problem is nobody wants to hang out with you yeah anyway, in any what case do you want social media <laughs> we saved the olympics you're welcome olympics. you can thank us at my america pod on twitter and instagram nice that's a good thing. <laughs> and I personally am at Dan Moyle on the social media channels. And uh, you are. I am at dude. Joe Rogan sucks. If that's really what that's what you're going to your platform's going to live and die on Joe, the Joe Rogan experience. The name of the show is the Joe Rogan experience. Um, No, no. I am, of course, at this. Like I've set myself up for failure because now it's going to be worse. I am at. If you are listening to this on the day it came out, there are 278 days until the midterm elections. I'm so, so sorry. Listen, it sucks, but you got to get registered to vote. Uh, there's less time if you're listening to it afterwards, less time to register to vote, less time for the primaries. Get out there, get registered. And then um, that's how we that's how we win against Joe Rogan. Um, if you have any questions about any of this, you can get me at Kim Offit on Instagram and Twitter at Kim Offit is here on TikTok. I'm sorry. Oh, I love it. Yes. Voting. Our America is sustained through voting. Get out there. And just a, a plug as well to our other, your organization that you happen to let me be a part of on the shirt deals. Uh, we're the people.org. Uh, go there and learn more about it. And if you really enjoyed Michelle's, if you really enjoyed Michelle's part of our conversation, uh, shotdiva.com. She's also on Twitter at shotdiva. Uh, links are in the show notes on whatever platform you're listening, whether it's Spotify, because we are there, uh, or Apple Podcasts, which is better, uh, or on our website. I asked Dan if we could leave Spotify, and he says he wants to be in the same space as Joe Rogan. Actually, what I know, what I would, what I, if you if you had asked me, because you're a liar, I would have said, uh, <laughs> how do we get off of Spotify? I don't know. I just, we're there because we're everywhere because I want people to listen to us. So I would just leave it. But that's fine. You know what? It's tough because I don't. First of all, we're not a powerful, we're not armchair expert. You know what I mean? Right. Um, we laugh. Our, 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 <laughs> uh, you know, people like, would. I mean, <laughs> but, our listeners now, would, but now we Spotify have more space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then the other side of the coin is like, so I listened to another podcast where they're talking about how we can, you know, fix online experiences. And um, as people know, Facebook leans to the right they lean towards the conservative they lean they literally lean towards the bad one of the guys uh, at this media company that i follow that does this podcast just joined facebook for the first time and he said listen i i understand that facebook is bad but if we all leave then the only thing that's there 
is this conservative spin. And the and like the lean towards the right and all that kind of stuff. Same with Joe Rogan. I, I'm not advocating for people to not leave, to not use their voice. What Neil Young did, what what Joni Mitchell has done, what Brene Brown has done, like that's really, really smart because it helps push Joe Rogan out. The idea is to push this one voice out, not to take out the others, because you need to have some sort of balance. It can't be all, you know, liberal podcasts either, but it also can't be somebody that's just lying and those lies are killing people. Yeah, that's it. That And that's the thing, like, that's the thing that bothers me that maybe we should do an episode now about Joe. That's what bothers me about his podcast is not that like he shouldn't have his freedom. Yes, he should. But he also shouldn't be spreading literal lies, misinformation, disinformation on purpose and under the guise of, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it could be something. I mean, I don't know. Like, that's what he says so much. Yeah. But I've heard his show. He, he's like, I mean, I don't really know, but this is what I think. Well, stop just what you think. I mean, actually do some research and actually give real information and resources, not just conspiracy bullshit. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway, so there you go. And if you really want to connect with everything, it's at the storytellers network.com slash my America. That's where all of our old episodes are our entire archive. Uh, Kim, it is such an honor and a privilege to record this show with me. Damn it. <laughs> I was like literally moving my around my little cords to give you prayer hands as a you're welcome. And you stole my joke. Congratulations. <laughs> And it really took me off. It threw me off. It was really funny. Well, I knew, oh. I knew I'd get you because you were tired. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I've had so little sleep, and now we're gonna finish this episode. I'm gonna go get dressed and then go to Universal Studios. Shouldn't you nap? Oh. Yeah, I should. <laughs> You're the worst. All right, there you go. Startosnetwork.com/slash My America. Follow us everywhere. We appreciate you. My America is a production of the Storytellers Network. This show is written and produced by Kim Moffat and Dan Moyle. Kim takes care of editing and graphics while Dan helps with episode production on the web. Both Dan and Kim run social media. For more information on the show, including past episodes, visit thestorytellersnetwork.com slash myamerica. Great job, Dan.